You're listening to What the History, a podcast where two nerds talk about some awesome, crazy, random stuff you probably don't remember learning about, but you're going to now. Hey, nerds, it's Sarah and Casey. We are back after a little Thanksgiving break, um, and we're here to talk about some really weird shit today. Um, Mm -hmm. We kind of randomly picked a topic neither of us knew much about. Yeah. And it gets weird. Um, so we're going to talk about Project MK Ultra, which <laughs> all I ever really knew about MK Ultra is it was basically the conspiracy theory that ended up being true type thing. Yeah. Like it sounds mm-hmm. fake and like something weirdos on the internet are claiming is happening all the time. And then it was real. And anytime there you say something can't happen, they're like, mm, what about MK Ultra? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's actually pretty much what most of my stuff is. It's yes. like, well, you said MK Ultra couldn't be real and look at that. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, yeah. It's also um, crazy spooky vibes by me. Good. I don't know if anyone can hear that. No, probably not. It's probably no, just me. I can't. But it is pitch black outside. The wind is howling. There's a thunderstorm going on and everything's just like crazy weird right now it's like very drizzly and misty here and it might rain tonight we're not or might snow tonight which is a big deal here yeah for sure you guys will shut down yeah you that's how i know is someone my friend's out of town and she she's working still and she was like wait is it snowing there because they just shut down the clinics for tomorrow and it's like literally it might snow a little tonight so they just said they're not gonna do it tomorrow just in case yeah when i lived in italy for um study abroad in college it like snowed for the first time in Rome in like 70 years. Yeah. And they like had to shut everything down because people were like, we don't know how to function like this. Meanwhile, I'm from Jersey and I'm like, no, right. for the most part, we just like work with it. And yeah, then people we don't from have, like, like Michigan were like, yeah, this is fucking nothing. We don't have like salt trucks and the roads aren't like made for it and tires aren't made for it. So it becomes a whole thing. Cause that's, right. I remember during like years ago that there was what they called snowpocalypse, which was, oh my God, it snowed, but it was like, it kept fluctuating in temperature. So the snow would right. start to melt and then it would get cold again. So it iced over all the roads and all the salt trucks hadn't gotten here yet. Mm-hmm. And so people were literally stranded on the highway for like 25 hours. My mom slept in her car overnight because there was like no way out of the neighborhood she was in. Like the, oh my God. the streets just had to shut down because there was no way people could drive. Um, oh, but I remember I lived in Boston at the time. And so... <laughs> all, so you're like, okay. Well, Everyone was making fun of it, but then I had, like, the best comeback because there was this kid making a ton of fun of it, but he was from Long Island. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like how Sandy was a hurricane, a category one hurricane, and you guys cried about it forever, and he shut up then. Because he was like, but we're not made for it. And I was like, right, I've won this. That's what the point is. (laughs) Right, like, a category one to me, because I grew up in Miami, is rain. We don't, yeah, I don't think about that, but you guys aren't built for it. So it was really catastrophic. So like, yeah, an inch of snow in Boston is nothing, but in Atlanta, it like actually screwed people over. Yep. Mm -hmm. I like that you use like his own logic against him. That's when you know you got somebody in an argument. Oh yeah, it was good. Cause he had like been very upset about Sandy fairly, but I was like, well, if you're going to tell me that they can't care about snow, then you can't care about a hurricane. Right. Exactly. So there. There's so much thunder. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to get into this. Okay. Okay. I'll get started. Uh, This week, Sarah actually did, like, the background basic history of it. And I got into some conspiracy theories and, like, aftermath stuff. So I am 
stoked for this. I'm going to shut up. So I'm going to go through the basics of what happened. I tried to stick to what we know for a fact. There's a couple things in here that are kind of conjecture, and I'll say that. But I'm going to talk about what we know. So Project MKUltra was literally a mind control experiment by the CIA in which they experimented on a ton of humans, often Mm -hmm. illegally. So the the main goal was... (laughs) Mostly illegally. Mostly illegally. Heavy on the illegal. (laughs) Um, It's all illegal now. It wasn't then. (laughs) Um, Uh, That's terrifying. So the goal, generally speaking, was to develop or find drugs that weakened people to the point of mind control to make like interrogation easier and so we could get information and so basically there was a belief at the time that the soviets who were like the big bads because this was the 50s to the 60s so the soviets were like the worst of the worst and there was a belief that they had some sort of mind control truth serum capabilities and so we Mm -hmm. were like obs we can't have them having that so MK Ultra was kind of born out of a desire to counteract that. And yep. so just as a note, so they came up with the code name MK Ultra, which I learned is called a cryptonym, which is fun. That's cool. Yeah, the cryptonym MK Ultra. I was ready for it to be like super cool and it's the most boring like reason ever. It's just like because oh, it's such a cool fucking name. Yeah. MK referred to like the technical services staff that ran it, was like a code for that department. And Ultra oh. was, had been previously used to designate other secret classifications of intelligence during World War II. So, like, oh. they're just code words that they commonly used, basically. I thought it was something like, this is McUltra Same. cool. I know? thought it was going to be <laughs> MK stands for, like, mind control with a K. But... <laughs> so, Eric and I just... <laughs> this is a sidebar. Good. I have several anecdotes today. Um, Eric and I just bought a PS4, not a PS5, because we're not, like, rich, okay? Like, we can't afford a PS5. Right. So, we got, like, a used, refurbished PS4, because nobody wants it anymore now that the yeah. 5 is out. So, anyway, we were, like, in GameStop, clearly, like, not part of the scene. And we're, like, going through the games. And he's like, oh, like, Mortal Kombat's cool. And I was like, I don't really know anything about it. So, we got Mortal Kombat 11 now mk dude we are i'm not even kidding we are playing last night he's playing last night i was too tired to play and i'm watching him play and then he goes to like hit pause and it just says mk ultra and i was like eric look what it says and he's like what i was like it says mk ultra and he's like yeah mortal Kombat ultra i was like no mk ultra that's what sarah and i are talking about this week and he's like you're so fucking weird. <laughs> so no, that was like, fine. I was like, the government knows. It's like when you're like talking about shoes and then all of a sudden yeah. Facebook's like, here are the shoes that you never typed into your search bar, but we heard you. Yep. That's what it was like. Exactly. Exactly. But so sadly, MK Ultra is like for a boring reason. Lame. Some things I found kind of definitively said this, but it seems like there's one major author and like historian who studies this, who this is his theory is that mm-hmm. it was basically a continuation of the work done in concentration ca- camps and like Japan mm-hmm. for subduing yep. and controlling human minds. So there's no actual like written in the documents evidence that is like, this is a good idea that the Nazis had. But right. if you look at the timing, right, it starts kind of a few years after World War II ends. There are some like German people who seem to be involved allegedly. So there's a lot of people who think like this was them kind of taking the the stuff done to people during the war and saying, how can we use this to our benefit? 
Yeah. I read something called Operation Paperclip. Okay. Which sounds like it's going to be like lame as hell. And it's actually, (laughs) it's actually the opposite where it's apparently taking Nazi scientists and hiring them to work in the United States. So basically like, uh, instead of you going through like the Nuremberg tribunal, you came and worked for the United States instead. Cool. 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 Yeah. Which is dark. Yeah. Oh, lots of trigger warnings. We finally said it early enough. Oh yeah. Lots of really weird shit in this episode, especially for my segment. I'll give a more like detail. Well, I won't give detail, but you'll know what I'm talking about. So the project itself was headed by a man named Sidney, Sidney Gottlieb. So he was like the chemist in charge of it. Um, but the director of the CIA at the time, Alan Dulles initiated it. And so the order to begin it was on April 13th, 1953. Um, it lasted about 10 years. So everything I talk about is from 1953 to 1963. Over the course of that time, they spent about $10 million on it, which translates to $87.5 million in today's money. Holy shit. So they were spending That's all like, taxpayer money, too. Yeah, like some good taxpayer money on that. Wow. And like I said, the idea was to develop mind-controlling drugs because there was rumors that the Soviets and Chinese and North Koreans had mind-control techniques that they wanted to use on U.S. prisoners of war. And so we were trying to, like, combat that. And the Mm -hmm. general, like, underlying principle they had for how to make mind control work, I have a quote from a historian who studies this that said, basically, first, you had to blast away the existing mind. Second, you had to find a way to insert a new mind into that resulting void. We didn't get far on number two, but did a lot of work on number one. So basically, their idea was we will wipe your mind blank and then program it with whatever we want, which to me is it's different than what I think of when I think of mind control, right? right. Mind control makes you think like, I'm going to tell you what to do, which it is, but it's more like, I'm going to make you who I want you to be. I mean, I think of Zoolander mm-hmm. when he's programmed to kill the prime min- or the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Fair. Valid. That's what I think of very when I think of mind control. So obviously I have a very mature palate, everybody. Yep. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that like a long pause that Sarah's like, mm-hmm. Sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually thinking, I'm like, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if I've ever seen Zoolander. <gasps> Maybe I haven't. Oh. I have like a really bad memory for these things. So it's very possible I saw it and just have no recollection of it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty classic Ben Stiller movie. Yeah. Like when Ben Stiller was like rolling out movies left and right. Right. Yeah, that was like his big I mean it's yeah. good. It's it's not like, you yeah, know, the I best know movie it, I've and ever I'm familiar seen. with like the classic elements and all that. I just don't know if I've ever sat down and watched it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Either way. So part of the goal was not only to use this on like prisoners of war and captives, but they actually wanted to use it on foreign leaders as well. So there was a lot of talk about using it on Fidel Castro specifically. Oh, they were okay. like, We wanna truth serum the shit out of Fidel Castro was like a big deal. Felix Felicia's his ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or no, wait, that's luck. That's, yeah, mind. that's the wrong one, but I was letting you have it. <laughs> we want to imperialize him. Uh, we straight up don't want to give Felix Felicia's no. him. We want to imperialize curse him. That would be a successful Cuban missile crisis. Oh my oh God. My God. Yeah, everyone would have health care. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's fine. That's for another day. 
This is fine. Um, so some of the work was done by the CIA and this like technical services branch they had, but they actually basically outsourced it. And so a lot of academic researchers around the country were funded by the CIA, but they didn't know the goals of the project. Right. So they weren't told you're working right. on a drug to like mind wipe Fidel Castro. They were just like, we're trying to see this and this effect of this drug on the brain. And so they had a lot of like right. academics around the country doing this work who just didn't know what they were doing. Which is so unethical. Yeah, totally. Like they were not being told that they wanted mind control or the other like quote was the perfect truth drug. Right. Um, and a little contextually, like I said, you know, kind of the Soviets were the big bads at the time. But a lot of people talked about how when this happened, it was like a really paranoid time in the CIA's history. Um, so the U.S. had lost its nuclear monopoly and communism was like the scariest thing we could think of. So yeah. there were like high ranking people in the CIA who were convinced that moles had come into the organization from communist countries and that they were being infiltrated. And so it was around this like very kind of scary atmosphere. Well, you also have the red scare going on too. Right, exactly. And so it's yeah. just like, this is so the biggest threat. We're very scared of it. So we need to do everything we can. Mm -hmm. I have this really long list of what their stated goals were in terms of a substance, like what they thought this perfect truth drug would be. I'm going to try and go through it quickly. Um, okay. I tried to cut it down, but then I was like, no, these are all interesting. Yeah. So the main one here is like substances which will promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipient would be discredited in public. So something so, to make you unreliable, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, increase I'm trying to think of examples, <laughs> like modern day examples. Yeah. Well, I, some of the drugs they use work, but um, yeah, they have things in here, both materials that will counteract alcohol as well as promote the intoxicating effect of alcohol. So either heighten it or lessen it. Things okay. that will replicate recognizable diseases in a reversible way. So to be able to induce like dementia in someone. But then oh, but it, it actually is okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, things that will make hypnosis easier. Um, yeah. substances which will enhance the ability of individuals, excuse me, I burped, of individuals to withstand <laughs> torture and coercion during interrogation and so-called brainwashing. So to make them more like superhuman? Kind of. Like okay. more stamina. Um, produce I'm getting amnesia. a lot of like Marvel Avengers right. vibes. Things that will produce amnesia, produce shock and confusion around certain periods of time, produce physical mm. disablement, produce a euphoria with no letdown. Will alter personality Ooh, structure. That sounds, in that's actually terrifying. Yeah. A euphoria without a letdown. Yeah. I don't think that's that's actually the freakiest one I think you've said. I don't really know why that hit me so much, well, but I can't let me read fathom the next that one first. Oh shit. Oh <laughs> the shit. The next one I don't like. It's substances which alter personality structure. In such a way, the tendency of the recipient to become dependent upon another is enhanced. Oh. Nope, never mind. Yep. You're right. That one's worse. Yep. Wow. Uh, I hate that. Yeah. Mental confusion to the point where you would have trouble lying. Lower the, That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, truth serum is basically what they're going right, for. Right. Um, substances <laughs> which will lower the ambitious and general working efficiency of men, promote weakness or distortion of eyesight and hearing. Mm. A knockout pill, which can be administered in drinks, food, cigarettes, etc., safe to use, provide maximum amnesia, and suitable by use for agents on an ad hoc basis. Hmm, I think I know what that sounds like. Right. 
And then a material which can be surreptitiously administered by the above routes and which in very small amounts makes it impossible for the person to perform physical activity. So these are like all things that are stated goals. It doesn't have to do all of those at once, but they're looking for anything that kind of does these because that's what they see as giving them the ability to control Fidel Castro, I guess. So here's a heavy and really dark question. You might not have the answer to it. Those last two, are those essentially like the creation of things like date rape drugs? So I didn't find anything where new drugs came out of this. Okay. Most of what I was, that was my question. Yeah, Yeah. It could be the basis, but I didn't find anything being like them trying to invent this is how we got roofies or anything like that. Most of what I read was existing drugs. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was like, kind of like freaked out at that idea that like these things existed more so because of experimentation Yeah, and then they kind of like got out and then got used for shit like that. So not in that case, but I'm going to talk now about LSD. So in America, most of the experiments they did involved LSD and Mm -hmm. essentially LSD was not present in the United States before this. So I think this is the fifties. It's before like hippie times where it was a popular street drug. Mm -hmm. And so they basically arranged for the CIA to pay $240,000 to buy the world's entire supply of LSD. So they had like all the LSD they could find shipped to them. And outside of everything I'm going to talk about in the experiment, this is basically how LSD became popular in America is they were using it for these experiments, but people that it was administered to once liked it. Allen Ginsberg got his first LSD from Sidney Gottlieb, apparently. Yeah, I saw a couple cases, actually, of that. So so there's sort of Mm -hmm. this ironic thing where, like, one of the effects of this is that it led to the popularity of LSD and the kind of, like, revolutionary generation of the hippies who were actively against, like, all this shit the CIA would do. (laughs) And so they kind of, like, backfired on themselves with that one. Yeah. But they had LSD and they administered it to all sorts of people including mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers, or, as one agency officer put it, people who could not fight back. Oh, my God. They also gave it to agents, like CIA agents, officers, Mm -hmm. suspected moles, almost always without consent. There does eventually become, like, a small population of people who volunteer to do this as part of, you know, they think they're helping. But for the most part, this is done without anyone's knowledge or consent of what they're doing so they're mostly just like picking on marginalized people but they're also just straight up giving it to like their own agents like here try this yeah i actually have a story probably one of the most well-known cases of a guy that this happened to is it frank olsen it is frank olsen yeah Yeah. i have like a mention of him but not all the details perfect Um, yes and the, like foreshadowing. Yeah. The reason they, they do it to their agents, too, is their goal was basically to create, like, robot agents, is the phrase That's that terrifying. was used, right? So, yeah, they're doing it. In theory, you have a good purpose where you get information from a terrorist or whatever. But they're also like, oh, no, we're going to use this here on us, too. Um, one of the, like, most severe things I found was one mental patient was administered LSD every day for 174 days straight. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Again, like all of this is without consent. Um right, like of course. Or at least informed consent. You know, no one knows what's going on. I mean, especially in the 50s with um like sanatoriums and shit, like yeah. people just like didn't care. I mean, yeah. not that like people have respect for, you know, prisoners or anything now, but like There's specifically at least some laws. Yeah, well, specifically mental health facilities, like you pretty much once you sent somebody there, like that was it. Yep. 
Oh, that's terrible. And so then there was um, what is called Operation Midnight Climax. Um, mm-hmm. Can I guess what that is? Yep. Please. Okay. Operation Midnight Climax is somehow in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's listening to this, but it's fine. <laughs> you somehow can orgasm in your sleep. Mm-hmm. At exactly midnight. It has to be midnight. It, like, that's the whole point. It's like timing it so that collectively the world has one giant orgasm at midnight. Not that's how they start their day. They want to create joy. And they're like, boom, midnight orgasm. Not at all, but Operation. I love it. Okay. So well, I was close, I bet. One of the ways they got <laughs> test subjects who they figured wouldn't complain or tell anyone what happened Oh, is that no. they set up brothels so that oh, men would okay. come. Well, <laughs> that's not that bad. So, I mean, I thought you were going to say yes. kids. It's right. still bad. No, but no, I was no. like, please don't tell me I just said this orgasm thing and no. it's children. It's not children. It, it was, was just... adult men who willingly were going to a brothel, right? So they were going okay, there to okay. pay for sex. But they knew that okay. no one's going to be like, officer, officer, I went to a brothel and this happened, right? right. Yeah. So yeah. they would like pay off the, the prostitutes the prostitutes would administer the LSD during the course of their activities. So they were real, real sex workers who were actually like doing whatever these men paid for, but all of the windows were two way mirrors. So (gasps) while they were doing that, a group of men from the CIA would sit behind the two way mirror with drinks, watching them and taking notes and observations and just like living it up to see what happened and how it affected Uh. these people's, like mental state. I mean, okay. So I just want to say in my defense, I was kind of close. <laughs> yes. It, there, there was sex involved. There was sex involved. Yes. Okay. Cause the climax. Yes. That's where I climax comes I, in. Okay. Okay. And then what was, and it's at night probably. Yes. But what was okay. like the worst to me is there was a quote from an agent who was doing it where they were talking about basically like being on the other side of that mirror. It was this like really kind of cool, jovial, fun thing that they were doing. And so the quote from one of the agents was, quote, where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, and cheat, steal, deceive, rape, and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the all-highest, unquote. Holy shit. So they were basically like, we were just living it up. That's unreal. I mean, it's not unreal because it's totally believable, but wow. Right. And so that was like the big known thing they did. They also would take those same men and interrogate them, you know, under bright lights, very like police style. Um, And they would threaten. Like, where were you on the night of the 13th? That kind of thing. And they would actually threaten them with more LSD, right? So they'd be like, if you don't do what we say, we're going to make your trip longer. And that was like one of their tactics. And then another way. That can be like good or bad. Like your trip could be really fucking good or absolutely horrifying. Exactly. Wow. And then one thing they did to get, like, quote-unquote, willing participants was they would find heroin addicts and offer them heroin and give them LSD with it. I don't know if it was laced or just in addition, but they were like, we'll give you heroin to do this. So they were, you know, quote-unquote, willing. I mean, literally, that's – you're right, though. Like, you're taking the most marginalized people that people – like, people that society, quote, doesn't give a shit about. Yeah. And just, like, using them for – human experimentation yeah exactly Jesus Christ. and so in addition to this Sidney Gottlieb the main chemist he thought there was kind of like a short-term benefit of incapacitating someone so say somebody had an important speech or needed to go like make the call to nuke or something like that or a meeting or whatever but he knew that the conditions under which 
that would happen are really different, right, than like testing in a laboratory. And so he decided he would often just randomly give it to people during the course of the day and like have them go about their day to see what happened to prove this theory. Holy shit. Um, And so the quote is then, surprise acid trips became something of an occupational hazard among CIA operatives. Oh my God. So they would, it was just kind of known like you might get dosed with some LSD today to like see what happens. How can that be safe? How could you be like, this is definitely how we should run a covert fucking operation with our people on drugs. Here's my next quote is adverse reactions often occurred, such as the operative who received his drug in his morning coffee became psychotic and ran across Washington seeing a monster in every car passing him. Oh, no. So it was like not safe. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And then I have my nice Frank Olson note, which is like one man. He basically died as a result of this, but I'm going to leave that for you to cover all of that. There were a handful, like I said, of people who did consent, right? Who thought they were like helping. And they tended to be given more extreme treatment. So higher doses. One group of people was given acid for 47 days straight after consenting. So like if you offered to help, it was worse for you. Right. I read somewhere that, um, oh, fuck. Is it Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski? Is that the Unabomber? I think so. I read somewhere that he actually like signed up for the experiments oh. while he was at, I think, like Harvard or something. But they don't necessarily know if that's like 100% yeah. like, confirmed. But, you know, I mean, I guess it probably makes sense. Yeah. So Why not? Yeah. And then, So they did all this, and ultimately they decided LSD was too unpredictable to be their secret weapon. So kind of like you said, some people have really good trips, and maybe they were like, this is great. Some people, like, freak out and wouldn't comply. Some people would do exactly what they wanted. They couldn't get it to be consistent enough where this was, like, right. the key they were looking for. So they... I guess I just don't understand how you think that, like... Like, how do you think something mind-altering I, administered secretly is going to be good? I, like, I'm clear. If You know what I mean? Like, if I all of a sudden was like, holy shit, I see sugar plum fairies <laughs> and I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, how am I going to be like... I could do anything, you know what I mean? Like, or how would I not be like, something's happening to me? Yeah. I just don't understand that. Yeah, I, me either, but I've also never Did done Did they acid. know afterward, was, were like the monster guy, were they like, oh, by the way, we gave you LSD this morning? Or did they just like let him think he had figured, a fucking break? Most of them figured it out because they had, they understood what was going on later, okay. right? Where the people that worked at the agency, I think mostly knew, but the people who were just like random, like, junkies or like sex workers and stuff like that i don't think they ever really got an answer okay that makes sense oh that's so heartbreaking um so they did try a bunch of other drugs right they tried heroin and morphine and like every drug you can think of they experimented with there was one particular method where so they would inject a barbiturate into one arm and Mm. that's a downer so you would start like nodding off and as soon as you started nodding off they would inject amphetamine into your other arm to wake you up and the person usually began like babbling incoherently and kind of spilling some secrets so that was one of the closer ways they got to like the truth serum element so they like judy garland them yes basically wow that's terrible um and like i said they tried a billion drugs and there was also a focus on hypnosis and like aiding that with drugs early on so they were trying to figure out if there was something that made you more susceptible to hypnosis and if I give you this and hypnotize you, you'll do everything I say or whatever the case might be. Okay. So that's the majority of what they do 
in America. There's also a bunch of Canadian experiments that they do. And so wow. they, it literally says they exported experiments. Um, so they recruited a British psychiatrist named Donald Cameron. And yes. he had created something called psychic driving. Oh my god! What that does not sound that doesn't sound safe. No. I know it's probably not driving it's a car, not, but it's like still not safe on LSD. But that sounds terrifying. Yeah. And so what it was, it was like a psychiatric procedure in the fifties, sixties, in which you were subjected to repetitive audio messages, like on a looped tape. So it just over and over oh. would say the same thing. And so when you did psychic driving, they'd be exposed to like hundreds of thousands of repetitions of the same thing over and over again. And in some cases, they would do this while they had been administered paralytic drugs to, like, subdue them. So they kind of tried to put you into, like, a almost dreamlike state and then give you this message over and over again. So it's not that unlike certain, like, self-help things you see now. So I have a story for okay, this. I'm and excited. This, <laughs> like, I don't know how I have so many stories about mind control, but, like, whatever. So I'm one of four girls. My youngest sister, Erin, just turned 16. But when we were... I'm trying to think when she was probably like five or six, probably like five, she refused to sleep in her bedroom. She just like wouldn't fall asleep. And everybody in my family was like, Oh, the house was haunted, but I had no idea. So she just always had these like terrible nightmares. So my mom got her one of these like sleep meditation CDs. Right. So every night she'd go to bed and it would just be this like really gentle voice, this like woman's voice that was like, and now I want you to close your eyes and imagine you're on a cloud, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's like shit like that. So there was this one part of it where it talks about affirmations and it's like talks about how affirmations are compliments that you give to yourself and how like, you know, it's it's good to feel positive, whatever, whatever like self-help bullshit they were spewing in the early 2000s right. to children. Um <laughs> So uh, it didn't work. We're still all in therapy. Um, So anyway, um, (laughs) and so one day Aaron was sitting at the kitchen table and we were like, mom, that thing you play is really fucking weird. Like, it's just weird. I don't think that we should like do that that anymore. Like, it just seems kind of like brainwashy. My mom's like, it's not brainwashy. It's good for her to understand what an affirmation is. And I shit you not. Erin looks at all of us dead in the eye. Her eyes like glaze over and she goes, an affirmation is a compliment that you give to yourself. And my mom was like, okay, we're going to find some soft music instead. It was horrifying. Oh my God. We still joke about that. But I, I believe that shit is like real. Like hearing it over and over. Um, the Josie and the Pussycats movie. (laughs) Oh my God. With the sub- I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, like the subliminal messaging where like in the back of yes. the, you bought the CD and in the back it was like, Josie and the Pussycats is the best band ever. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. It was, it's exactly like yeah. that. And I believe that if you keep hearing it, your brain at some point is like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I remember this. Yeah. So it makes sense. That's how we mind controlled my five-year-old sister. Perfect. <laughs> so totally safe she's fine she's thriving she's thriving so this guy cameron his goal when he developed this like psychic driving was to correct schizophrenia by reprogramming oh. the psyche right that was like he was just a psychiatrist guy who thought he could cure schizophrenia and was doing this as his research so like he had good intentions yeah like probably not okay. legit but in the 50s it made sense and it was like a legit him trying to cure a disease Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. And but then our dumbasses were like, or mind control. 
Um, (laughs) Because this is why we can't have nice things as humans. So basically, he was paid a lot of money, the current equivalent of like $558,000 over time, to go to Montreal every week and perform these experiments for the CIA. He did not know the CIA was the organization behind it. There was like a front. Uh. He did know what the experiments were. So he wasn't being like completely manipulated. Right. right. He just didn't know he was doing it on behalf of the CIA. Government. Right. So he still like okay. did shitty things. He just didn't know it was the CIA backing him. And so okay. he would also use LSD as part of this. And he used a lot of different paralytic drugs too. And one of the things he would do is give someone a paralytic drug and then electroconvulsive therapy at 30 to 40 times the normal power. Oh my God. He, oh my God. Yeah. He also did experiments for this this driving where he would put subjects into drug-induced comas for, like, up to three months <gasps> and play the tapes during that time, the whole time. Oh, no. And he was usually doing this on people who had entered this institute in Montreal for minor problems. So they showed up with, like, general anxiety or postpartum depression or something mm-hmm. somewhat mild, right? Not usually a debilitating mental illness. They, like, were there for a yeah. temporary treatment. And they would I actually have a segment kind of about this with okay, cool. like lawsuits. Yeah. It's actually pretty much, it's very similar to what you're describing. Yeah. And so a lot of them yeah. ended up with like permanent issues, right? So this listed incontinence, amnesia, forgetting how to talk, forgetting their parents and thinking interrogators were their parents. Oh, Jesus. Um, That's so sad. Yeah. And so one kind of theory by someone who studies MK Ultra is that like his contribution wasn't really about mind control and brainwashing. It was right. really about, quote, a scientifically based system for extracting information from resistant sources, unquote, or torture, in other words. Jesus. Right? That's really yeah. what, like, he was kind of working on. It's like mental torture. Yeah. And then okay. I literally just have, like, a paragraph copied from Wikipedia here because when you look at the way it's broken down there, there's, like, a big section, experiment on Americans, right? And then I, like, research that. Experiment on Canadians, and I research that. And then there's mm-hmm. this, like, little section that's, like, other experiments. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. The entire section, but I'm going to read the whole thing to you. Because yes. it says, In areas under American control in the early 1950s, in Europe and East Asia, mostly Japan, Germany, and the Philippines, the CIA mm-hmm. created secret detention centers so the U.S. could avoid criminal prosecution. Already a great start. <laughs> Oh, wow. The CIA captured people suspected of being enemy agents and other people it deemed expendable to undertake various types of torture and human experimentation. The prisoners were interrogated while being administered psychoactive drugs, electroshocked, subjected to extreme temperatures, sensory isolation, and the like to develop a better understanding of how to destroy and control human minds. This is just like a casual little paragraph where they're like, oh, yeah, they did this to a shit ton of people other places too, LOL. Like... (laughs) So basically what we did as the United States is go in and like shit all over the concentration camps that were established and then created our own concentration camps, basically. We were like, we don't want to do it. No, this is for science. Well, see, the nice thing about America is that we were like, we don't want to do it because you're Jewish. Everyone's the same. We'll just torture you all. You're not American. So it's different. Or you are. Some of them wow. were American, and they were suspected of being like moles. So they were just oh, like, right, yeah, because they were, mm-hmm, yeah, or they were like army-based people. Yeah. So this all goes. Wow. This is about ten years. Like I said, it starts in 1953. It ends in 1963, and it really comes to like a kind of boring end, right? There's no 
mm-hmm. big thing. They never really figure out how to do this, obviously. And a member of the inspector general staff learned about the project's basically non-voluntary subjects, right? He finds out. This is the church guy? This is John Vance. Oh, okay. okay. Um, he finds out about all this. And the MK Ultra people try and convince, like, the independent audit board that the research should continue. But the inspector general says, no, there's new research guidelines that have come out since this began. And it no longer mm-hmm. meets those. So they basically, like, pull funding and shut down the project. Yeah. But they're like, sorry, we have laws now. You can't legally do exactly. this to people yet. So, so it shuts down without any, like, major discoveries or anything like that. And no one knows about this. Right? This is not, like... There's no like news thing like and MK Ultra is over today. This is just like right, happening. Right. <laughs> right, right. Peter Jennings isn't on there like, hey everyone, we, they just shut down MK Ultra. Like, right, yeah. So a full mm-hmm. ten years later in 1973, there's all the like Watergate stuff going on, and the CIA director Richard Helms at the time panics and basically orders all of the files related to MK Ultra be destroyed. Oh. And so he has like everything that exists destroyed so there never is the ability to do like a full investigation yeah you can't audit shit if there's nothing to audit yes but what he didn't know was that about twenty thousand documents had been stored in the wrong building they were in like a financial services building by mistake oh shit and so in 1977 someone filed a freedom of information act request and got (laughs) these documents about mk ultra and so it comes out then um But there had kind of been rumors before. So, like, in 1974, the New York Times alleged that they had done, you know, illegal activities, including experiments. And Mm -hmm. so the report prompted investigations, and that was the church committee. Um, And then there was also a Rockefeller Commission. So these were both parts of Congress that basically looked into the activities that had been done illegally domestically. By the CIA, FBI, and other intelligence like branches of the military. Right. And so this 1975 report does reveal that they had conducted experiments of some sort on both unwilling and cognizant human subjects as part of this program. And they get the basic mm-hmm. idea there, right? They get through the use of psychoactive drugs. Um, they reveal there that at least one subject had died. And mm-hmm. this was all found in the 1963 report from the inspector general who shut it down. So he still oh, okay. had a copy of a report. So they find out kind of the basic information. Right. But then it's not till this Freedom of Information Act is filed where they get all the actual documents and can like investigate it beyond we kind of know this happened. And Which is crazy because if you think about it, there's what there were, you said there were 20,000 documents. Yeah. That probably is just the surface. Oh, yeah. I mean, he destroyed everything. What there else. was. So it's. Which is crazy to yeah, think there's probably shit that we just don't know about. Has to do with like financing of it and things like that right there aren't records of like subject one two three did this most of it's like financial documentation and so it it's missing probably a lot but yeah so after they start figuring this out um president ford issues an executive order um which so it's the first executive order on intelligence activities and it prohibits experimenting with drugs on humans except with informed consent Right. And writing and witnessed by a disinterested party of each such human. Right. So kind of right. what we know now. And later, mm-hmm. both Carter and Reagan expanded it to include like human experimentation in general. So not just with drugs, but any experimentation. I was just going to say, yeah, because like there's a lot of stuff like if you're trying to do a psychology experiment in college, there's like shit that you have yeah. to 
make sure you, you know, comply with. Yeah. So they both like appended this executive order and made it broader over time. Um, there was a note. Sidney Gottlieb was interviewed when this started coming out, and he basically said, I don't remember. I saw that, too, and I literally wrote, what the fuck? Well, because it's like, maybe they mind-wiped homeboy. But that's what I'm saying. That's so terrifying. Right? Or was he, like, also drugging himself to, like, see what he would... Yeah, I don't like, know. What? Ugh. Crazy. I saw that, too, and I literally wrote, what the fuck, because that's insane. Yeah. And then, so that all kind of happens, and in 1977, there's these Senate hearings as well. And so everything kind of gets out there in which a lot of the documents are made public and people get more information. And most of what we have is based off of that. Right. Yeah. Um, Canada also does some, some stuff, but it takes them a little longer. So mm-hmm. it wasn't widely known in Canada until 1984. Oh, damn. That's oh, okay. Widely known. I guess people did know about it, but that's still it wasn't. 10 yeah. Years. Like most people <laughs> didn't know until 1984. Canada's not far away. No. <laughs> and it, At that time, it became clear not only had the CIA funded Dr. Cameron's efforts, which was kind of known, but that the Canadian government was aware of it and had actually included their own funding. Yikes. So they're like, oh, this guy wasn't being like fully manipulated necessarily. Like Canada knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, And you, I know, talk about lawsuits a bit, but basically finding that out screwed up a bunch of their ability to sue. Um, yeah, because, mm-hmm. like the U.S. had people suing, and Canada was like, "Well, they they knew." Um, and then yeah. what was interesting is at this time, Cameron had already died, and he ha- there was no personal records because at the time of his death, his family destroyed all his personal records. Again, eerie and terrifying. Right. His family must have known exactly what this. Yeah, was yeah up or to. he told them like, "Don't look at this." When I, I guess he could have told them like, "When I die, just burn it." But if someone told me that, you know, I would read it. It's like. This is the equivalent of, like, delete my browsing history. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, Yikes. And then in 1994, the U.S. General Accounting Office (laughs) issued, like, a formal report saying that these different security agencies had studied thousands of human subjects involving hazardous substances, like, kind of just went on the record being like, this happened. Um, That also says between 1940 and 1974 which is about 13 years before MK Ultra and 11 years after it. So I have some mm. um, questions about that. Yeah. I did not yeah. I did not go down that rabbit hole, but you'll notice yeah. those years are much broader than the MK Ultra years. I mean, um, to me those years make more sense. Yes. I would say they started form informally fucking around with that stuff at in the 40s, yes. like po- right after post World War 2 shit. Yes, but it makes me curious yeah. like what else? But that is the high level of what MK Ultra was. It sounds really fake, um, but it's not. It's terrifyingly real. Yep. And now I'm going to talk about some semi-interesting stuff. Yes. At least when I get to the legal cases, it's semi-interesting. The rest of it's actually pretty bonkers. So but um, all right. So the first thing I'll start off with notes this time because I just want to be on the ride. Are you gonna or no, you're not I'm going? I'm not to? going to because I just want to be on, on the ride. <laughs> All right, cool. (laughs) All right, awesome. So basically, I covered everything from the aftermath to deaths to different conspiracy theories slash just like what it looks like in today's society. So the first thing that came across my research that I came across in my research was death. So there were probably hundreds, if not thousands of deaths that actually were like resulting from 
the experimentation, right. but we don't actually have the documentation on that. So unfortunately, we won't ever really know the full impact of the MK Ultra experiments, right. including the death count, because of the deliberate destruction of most of its right, records. Because they straight up burn but, the document. I'm just picturing the Richard Helms guy, like Eliza and Hamilton, like burning all the documents. Oh, just burning it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's erasing himself. From I'm the actually narrative. picturing him. Uh, I'm picturing him like that SpongeBob episode, and I can't remember which one it is, but when SpongeBob's running around his brain and it's all the SpongeBob yes. and they're like burning everything. Yes. That's what I'm imagining. That's good too. Again, I have a very mature palate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned Frank Olson. So Frank Olson is probably the most notable case in terms of death because of sort of the way that this all played out. So Frank Olson was a U.S. Army biochemist who researched biological weapons. In November of 1953, so this is like six months into MK Ultra. Like this is literally mm-hmm. the first year that it's happening. Yeah, it's early on. Um, yeah, very, very early on. So he's given LSD without either his knowledge or consent, and he dies by suicide a week later after he jumps out of a window. Okay, and the CIA doctor who was responsible for monitoring Olson claimed that he'd been sleeping in another bed in an NYC hotel room when Olson fell 13 stories to his death. So this is like the official what's happening. Right. That's you know, that's what I read is Frank Olson about nine days afterwards went into a depressive state and died because he jumped out a window. Correct. Correct. That he killed himself. So that was basically what the the story was. Okay. Um, so that same year, they described it as a suicide that it occurred because of a severe psychotic episode, which they later attributed to the LSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they did the internal investigation conducted in the CIA, they basically concluded, quote unquote, that Sidney Gottlieb, who you mentioned, yep. um, basically had given Olson the LSD experiment with Olson's knowledge. But none of the men who had ingested the drug were actually aware of the full nature of it until about 20 minutes after it was ingested. So basically Gottlieb was like, no, 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 no. Olson took it with a bunch of other dudes. We just didn't tell him what it was going to do until like 20 minutes in. When they were like, also, by the way, we gave you LSD, so all this shit's going to start happening for you. So that was what his argument was. So he's like, no, he knew that he was taking something. He just didn't know what he was taking. Is that better? (laughs) No, but, you know, that's what his... No, (laughs) the answer is no. So, like, that's basically what his argument was. So this, I had to quote this because I just thought it was so fucking crazy. So, quote, the report further suggested that Gottlieb was nonetheless due a reprimand as he had failed to take into account Olson's already diagnosed suicidal tendencies, which might have been exacerbated by the LSD, quote. So, they were like, well, if Gottlieb did anything wrong, it was that he gave LSD a huge psychotic drug to somebody who was already having issues with Mm -hmm. his mental health. Like, just a reprimand. So... Frank Olson's family comes in real fucking clutch, though, because they are like, no, 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 no. This is not Olson. Like, this is not Frank. You know, we knew that he had struggles with, you know, his mental health, but there's no way that he would have done anything like this without some type of, like, serious causation by the CIA. Interesting. So they vehemently dispute these official versions of the events and they actually claim that Olsen is murdered. Okay. Which is so much fucking cooler. I mean, I and know it, that sounds really terrible, no, but like this it is, is and I'm like, I don't put it past them to murder him, but I also think right. it's very realistic for someone to have like after effects of LSD and jump out a window. Totally. But this is like when I was researching, I was like, this is the content I was expecting that it was like actually a murder cover up. But like also, you know, people, I mean, I also watched like, 
you know, unsolved mysteries and shit. So like, I like this kind of stuff. So this to me could have been very similar to, I think the first episode on the Netflix one where it's like the guy fell through the roof. Yes. Whatever. So I kind of had those vibes. So basically, or the, did you watch the, the woman who died in Oslo one? The like, (gasps) yes. The unidentified woman. That's my favorite. So that one is, crazy eerie yes but it's that oh i just got chills thinking about it yeah yes. same exact vibe so basically they said that um olsen was a security risk who could potentially quote divulge state secrets associated with highly classified cia programs about many of which he had direct personal knowledge quote so several days before olsen died he actually had quit his position as the acting chief of the special operations division at fort dietrich because he was starting to have some serious significant moral dilemmas over like the nature of the research that he's conducting. So some of the things that he was responsible for included assassination materials used by the CIA, the use of biological warfare materials in covert operations, experimentation with biological weapons in populated areas, LSD mind control research, mm-hmm. and the use of psychoactive drugs during terminal, quote-unquote, interrogations under a program called Project Artichoke. <laughs> See, that's a more fun or, name. So I have a funny story about artichokes. Good. Um, <laughs> Sarah's like, Jesus Christ, shut up with your stupid No, story. actually, I got distracted because <laughs> I just left my grandma's and I forgot to take home artichoke dip when I came back. And now Okay, I'm great. So I'm so glad that you said your grandma because my grandmother, <laughs> for literally my entire life on Thanksgiving, has made artichokes. Okay. But she doesn't call them artichokes. She calls them artichokes. So does my grandma. Like that's how she pronounces it. Yeah. Yes, so she's she like, oh, I made you stuffed artichokes, right? She says, do you want some artichoke dip? And I'm like, yes, yes. grandma, I do want some artichoke dip. You put shrimp yes. in it. So, so yes, I do. That's my story. So she makes these stuffed artichokes. But like every <laughs> year she calls and she's like, hey, uh, listen, do you and Eric want the stuffed artichokes? <laughs> or uh, how many how many artichokes Your am I making? And I'm like, so good. <laughs> It's so cute. And it's just like, so I didn't get to see anybody for Thanksgiving. So it was just me, Eric and my roommate and her girlfriend. And Mm -hmm. like, we were at the dinner table and I literally looked down at my plate and I was like, I miss Nanny's artichokes. (laughs) (laughs) Like nobody knew what I was talking about, but I laughed because I saw this program called Project Artichoke. And then I wrote, or if you're my nanny, artichoke. Yeah. No, that's how my grandma says, I made the shrimp artichoke dip. And I'm like, perfect. Let me (sighs) eat it. I feel so validated Same. right now. My God. But also I left it in Florida. So that was sad. <laughs> that does really suck. Right. Like um, when I say I just got back and can't get it. I mean, I drove 12 hours yesterday. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could mail it, but that probably won't. Hold I could well. probably make it just as well as mail it. <laughs> but it's grandma's already. I know. That's true. I love that she does that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> So we're like halfway through Olsen's story because I got so distracted by the artichoke. It's fine. So in 1975, this is like almost, no, this is 20 years after Olsen's um, death. They basically received a $750,000 settlement from the U.S. government because this is when they started to quietly acknowledge that there was some bad shit that the CIA did. So they got formal apologies from uh, Gerald Ford, who was the president at the time, and the CIA director at the time, William Colby. And so the apologies were only about the consent issue of ingesting the LSD and not about his actual death. They Mm -hmm. weren't like, oh, sorry that his work that we made him do and the drug that we made him take killed him. Right. We're just really sorry that we didn't tell him what he was ingesting. Sure. So 
the story continues into 1994. So this family does not fucking stop, which I think is awesome. Yeah. So Olsen's body is later exhumed in 1994 and their findings conflicted very much with the original report. And so the medical examiner terms Olsen's death officially as a homicide because oh. the cranial injuries that he found indicated that Olsen had actually been beaten unconscious oh. before exiting the window. Well, shit. So if you're unconscious, you can't jump out a fucking window 13 right. stories down. That's called falling. So then, correct. <laughs> right. That's called falling or being tossed out. Right. So homicide. So eight years later, because the Olsen family will not stop. And I don't even know who these people are anymore. They must be his grandkids or something. Yeah. So they filed suit on November 28th, 2012 against the U.S. federal government for the wrongful death of Frank. But the case was dismissed in July of the following year, in part due to the settlement that I mentioned earlier. So basically, the U.S. district judge um, basically wrote, quote, while the court must limit its analysis to the four corners of the complaint, the skeptical reader may wish to know that the public record supports many of the allegations in the family suit, far-fetched as they may sound. Oh. Which is... Crazy because he's basically like, look, there's a lot of shit in your suit that's right. Yeah. But even though it sounds crazy, it is accurate. Yeah, he's like, you can't do anything about it because you already settled. Right. He's like, I know no one asked me about this question, but just so you know. (laughs) Yes. I just want to go on record as saying so that one day in 2020, somebody on a podcast can just quote me on that. Yeah. Um, basically that's what it was. So that's like the most famous quote unquote death because it did turn out to be a crazy conspiracy theory in and of itself that ended up being true. So in less exciting terms, the aftermath of uh, MK ultra was basically (laughs) pretty standard with people who started to slowly come out of the woodwork with being like, yeah, this, uh, this really fucked up our whole family. So like I've said, (laughs) after Gottlieb retired, he dismissed his effort for MK Ultra's program as useless and he couldn't really remember what he had done with it, which is really shitty question. Yeah, like, I guess it was useless in that it didn't work. Right, like, what's useless? Like, oh, we just wasted $87 million on this because it doesn't work? You can't actually control people's minds? Or was it useless because, like... What was it useless for? Yeah, useless to whom? Yeah. Um, So the CIA insists that these types of experiments have been abandoned. And then I wrote, LOL, okay, boomer, because that's not true. There's no no way that you can convince me that this shit just, like, stopped. No, it's just just like better at hiding it. Yeah. So one of the more famous, like, effects of the aftermath or effects of this was... um, the exposure by journalists, many of whom actually had family members who were directly impacted by MK Ultra. So there's a Canadian journalist named Elizabeth Nixon, whose mother uh, was Virginia Elizabeth Hooker, who was a Wait, test subject. Stop. Virginia oh. Hooker is a funny name. It is. It is. I do call her Virginia. Virginia Hooker. And Hooker. Is a funny yeah. name. Virginia That's Hooker. All. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> she... And again, I just want to say it too, because it somehow comes up in every damn episode, but she names her daughter after her middle name. Okay. This always happens. You always have people who are like named after someone in their family. So Elizabeth Nixon claims that the CIA continues to use mind control efforts under a different name, although she doesn't necessarily know what that name is. Okay. So she tells a story of her um, mom 
Virginia, who was admitted to Allen Memorial Institute for anxiety following the miscarriage of her first pregnancy sometime in, I believe it was the 60s, possibly the 70s. Mm -hmm. Dr. Cameron served as Hooker's psychiatrist, cured her anxiety with insulin. That sounds real. And then she was able to return home, which... That sounds real. As someone who's type 2 diabetic, that has never once fucking fixed my anxiety, ever. Insulin is... I've never (laughs) felt better... With my anxiety because of it. So, like, so fine, whatever. Okay. So, eight years later, Hooker gets readmitted to the same hospital. She's placed under Dr. Cameron's care again. And her daughter claims that she was never treated for mental health, but instead was experimented on, including shock treatments and attempts to physically rewire Hooker's brain. She was also drugged with sparring, which is a drug that suppresses and impairs human immune systems. And has since been discontinued for that reason. Nope. This is the most effed up thing. Virginia Hooker was sent home after 17 years of treatment with Dr. Cameron. Like inpatient treatment? Yep. Nope. For her anxiety. Nope. You know what would give me more anxiety? Being shocked. Oh, for fucking sure. At 40 times the power or whatever he did. mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, Virginia actually just died this last January in 2020. And then I wrote fuck this year because it's just really shitty and dark. So with her story, we now kind of get into some legal issues. So I I put the word obviously in quotes because obviously the revelations prompted a number of subjects and their surviving family members and loved ones to file lawsuits because like it probably makes a lot of sense too. If you have family that like all of a sudden is just like not acting like themselves and it's just dangerous or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, this something's completely altered about you, but there's really no way to, to verify those claims. Right. I can imagine there was a, like a big feeling of like, I don't want to say relief, but probably like vindication. Like, fuck, I knew something was going on. Closure. So yeah, exactly. So some of the actual people survived, right? Some of the subjects survived. um, And people began to file lawsuits against the federal government specifically for the conduction of experiments without informed consent of the subject. So that's, it's not so much about the, um, so to speak, aftermath of like, I don't know, psychotic breaks. It's more like you drugged us without our permission. Right. And that's what most people went after legally. Yeah. Which is interesting because it seems like from what I read, it actually wasn't illegal at the time. Yeah. Right. Right. It was like, so that's kind of actually what we get into. So yeah. So basically the government aggressively and occasionally successfully fought off and avoided legal liability because of that. They were like, well, we don't really have a law stating that we couldn't drug people at that time. Now it would be illegal, but it wasn't then. Exactly. Right. But there were some cases of, I mean, successful quote unquote compensation through either acts of Congress, court order, or settlements out of court. So there were cases where the CIA was just like, pay them off, shut them up, pay them off, shut them up, because they didn't want to have to kind of reveal all their shit. So one example would be Frank Olson's family. So they had a $750,000 settlement in the 70s, which is quite a hefty amount of money um, for back then. You know, it doesn't make up for the fact that Olson was, you know, killed very prematurely, but it's still, you know, it's still something. So the army and the CIA were also able to successfully withhold incriminating information at the same time as secretly providing compensation to families of subjects or victims. So basically the army and the CIA were both able to pay off people who were impacted and avoid court orders altogether. So one of the people that is a really good example of this is this dude named James Stanley. So he brought an important suit against the government and the CIA, but the government argued that Stanley was barred from suing the government 
under what's called the Ferris Doctrine. Have you ever heard of this? No, I don't think so. So it's it's kind of fucked up, but I guess it makes sense. So basically, to keep it simple, the Ferris Doctrine states that servicemen and women can't pursue legal compensation for something that happened to them while in active duty because of their service to their country. Okay. So they can't, like, if you're injured in a conflict. Mm-hmm you can't sue the government and be like, I got injured in this conflict because it's like, well, you signed up for it. Yes, you fucking did. This yeah. is yes, exactly. But this is different because technically Stanley did not sign up for being drugged right. against his will, but because he was under like military discipline. Yeah. He was still considered, it was still considered like part of the job. So what's crazy is in 1987, the Supreme court affirmed this defense in a five to four decision that dismissed Stanley's case. And the majority argued that quote, a test for liability that depends on the extent to which particular suits would call into question military discipline and decision-making would itself require judicial inquiry into, and hence intrusion upon military matters quote. So basically this is them saying we can't, we can't fuck around with what the military does. Like that's cool. That's what comforting. the military does is what they do. <laughs> right. I thought the same thing. And that's why I quoted it because it's basically like, who are we to judge the military's discipline tactics yeah. and how they make decisions? That's a military matter. So there were two judges that dissented justice. William Brennan dissented. And he argued that quote, the medical trials at Nuremberg in 1947 deeply impressed upon the world that experimentation with unknowing human subjects is morally and legally unacceptable. The United States Military Tribunal established the Nuremberg Code as a standard against which to judge German scientists who experiment with human subjects. In defiance of this principle, military intelligence officers began surreptitiously testing chemical and biological materials, including LSD. Quote. So he's literally saying, you know, the U.S. military tribunal set up this whole standard. Right. And then they were like, fuck it. We're going to just do whatever we want to do anyway. Yeah, like we would punish someone else for it. Exactly. And that's literally... So the second one that dissented was um, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. So she agreed and she basically says the same thing. Like, the U.S. deliberately fought against human experimentation that lacked consent of the test subjects in the Nuremberg military tribunals, i.e. the victims of concentration camps. And it's really hypocritical to say that it was okay, but doing that to her own military was totally fine. Right. So we have the case of, okay, so now no military people can really file a lawsuit against them specifically because of this whole like argument. So once um, it happened to Stanley, it kind of just became the precedent. So in another lawsuit, a guy named Wayne Ritchie, who was a former U.S. Marshal, alleged that the CIA had laced his food and drink with LSD at a 1957 Christmas party. Cool. Later that evening, he attempted to commit a robbery at a bar and was arrested for it. So the government fully admitted that it was in fact drugging people without their consent around that time. And the argument was made that Richie couldn't actually prove that he was a victim of MK ultra or that LSD was even the reason why he robbed the place at all. So basically okay. they were like, well, we did do that kind of stuff, but he can't really prove that it was us. So <laughs> like, it's like the shit that I read was, I mean, those were three of the biggest ones. I mean, there were a lot of other smaller legal cases. Um, but for the most part, when we look at the aftermath and just the events of that, like it's people who are kind of coming to terms with this whole, holy shit, I think I really was drugged. And like, now I need to figure out 
is there anything that I can do about it? Or, right. oh my God, my my father was experimented on when he was in prison. Is there something that I can do to help get justice for what he experienced yeah. or whatever it might be? But unfortunately, um, there aren't a lot of super successful cases. Um, this was actually starting to build more so in like the 80s and even into the 90s when the more stories that came out, the more people started to kind of expand upon it with other conspiracy theories, which is where I think they kind of lose their credit, which is frustrating because it's like people kind of took it and ran with it. They were like, well, shit, if the CIA can control our minds, what else are they fucking doing? Yeah. And while that's totally valid because some people took it so far, it kind of screwed up people who had like legitimate valid arguments. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to talk about some conspiracy theories. Yes, I can't wait. So the first one I found, believe it or not, was Jonestown. Okay. So there is this whole conspiracy theory that Jonestown was a successful example of complete mind control. Oh, Oh, no. Okay. So Siri just started talking to me. Holy shit. Okay. So Jonestown is basically this supposed successful experimentation of CIA mind control. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a bunch of different like alternative histories. So there's one thing that I was looking at. It was called, um, let's see, the black hole of Guyana, the untold story of the Jonestown massacre. And so basically it goes into this whole breakdown of like, you know what the official version is, but the actual version is that the CIA had more of a hand in this than they wanted to admit. Because don't forget, they also sent that congressman there to try to like get oh, people yeah. to like come back and shit. And so they think that he was actually just like a plant to try to make it clear right. that those people were like totally off their fucking yeah, lockers, like, oh, but yeah, in we actuality, wanted to come back. We asked. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So there's indication that um, they were drugged repeatedly with different, with like the same type of things that they were um, given with like the cyanide. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one thing I was reading too, that Jones was well-versed in um, hypnosis and mind control, which is why he was able to get so many people under his control. Right. Um, so that was kind of like an, I mean, I could literally go on for fucking days about that one, but that one was pretty cool. I mean, there's like all of these like personal essays and stuff of people who were like kids in the Jonestown massacre. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not discounting them because of their experiences, but I also think that when you have lived through something that is so fucking traumatic, there's probably going to be some gaps in like what you remember being the full truth, especially when you're a child. Yeah. The other one, well, actually, you know what? I'm just going to talk about all of them at the same kind because they're basically the same fucking thing. Okay. So the biggest rabbit hole that I went down, yes, and this is what was uh, caused me to be late, was the idea of celebrity mind control, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, specifically mm-hmm. in... The Free Britney movement. Yes. So let me start with the celebrity mind control breakdown. So there is this article and basically (laughs) I just have to read the first paragraph of this article because it's like, it's just so well written. So quote, when rapper Cardi B unexpectedly stared into space during a red carpet interview at the 2018 Grammys, the internet didn't blame it on exhaustion or nerves. No. According to some sections of the web, this lapse in concentration was a clear sign that she was the victim of the CIA's MK Ultra mind control program. The bizarre blank expression on her face was evidence of a glitch in her programming. Quote. So there is a faction of the internet on things like Reddit. Uh, let's see. This one is called the Monarch Files. This other one is called Hollywood Subliminals. Um, there's one called, shit, what was it? I wrote it down. Uh, Ver- the Vigilant Citizen. 
all of these are websites that basically argue that MK Ultra has now moved from being like everyday quote unquote non important people to being widely used in the celebrity world. So basically it's infiltrated this whole section of incredibly wealthy and influential people in Hollywood. So <laughs> which and this is where I have to like do a, just I'm, do a disclaimer because like it's not funny, but like it's kind of funny. Also, <laughs> it is funny. Right. So like I'm going to talk for a second about something called Project Monarch. So Project Monarch is this is I don't even have words for it. I'm just going to fucking read what I wrote. So <laughs> this conspiracy theory is centered around Kathy O'Brien, who's an American from Michigan, who is a conspiracy theorist and author. Mm-hmm. And she claims to be a part of the CIA mind control program, which is a subsection of MK Ultra called Project Monarch. Okay. So I wrote in all caps, please note, there is no credible evidence of what I am about to say. I need to make sure that's clear to people who are listening. There is no credible evidence, but the more research I did on Project Monarch, the more fucked up it got. So basically, her stories were wild as all hell. I figured we could just like share them and talk about them. Also, trigger warning for some really nasty, awful shit. Cool, cool, cool. Um, in no way, shape, or form am I making fun of this woman who is probably not too stable, and that's why I'm right. saying this woman specifically does not seem like she has it all together. So... O'Brien wrote a book. She's written three books. Uh, Her first book was called Transformation of America. Trance and formation are two different words. So trance is like, oh, you're in a trance. And then formation is formation. I don't know how to explain that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A rock formation. Um, So she claims that she experienced sexual abuse as a child by her father and a network of child pornographers and then was forced by the CIA to participate in Project Monarch, which is a subsection of MKUltra. In her account, she and her daughter used hypnosis to recall memories of, quote, trauma-based mind control programming, quote, to make her into a sex slave. Mm. So in this account, Nobody is actually safe from any accusation. The people that she accuses as being part of this underground subsection of MK Ultra vary from American, Canadian, Mexican, and Saudi Arabian government officials. That's progressive. To country, well, yeah, <laughs> not just Americans and Canadians, but also Mexicans and Saudi yes. Arabians. Like that's literally that's what she says. Um, in addition to that, there are rumors that country Western music stars are also a part of this category okay. of people who are involved in um, facilitating child sex rings. So she claims in her book that George H.W. Bush used holograms to appear to her in altered forms and that, quote, Bush apparently activated a hologram of the lizard-like alien, which provided the illusion of Bush transforming like a chameleon before my eyes, quote. I don't have any I, comments. I, I straight up just had to write that and then yeah. move on <laughs> because I don't think my body can really process that. Um, she also claims that Project Monarch, yeah, caused her to develop multiple personality disorder. And during some of her alternate personality episodes, she has photographic recall. So this is like you can remember everything you've ever seen, even if it's for like 30 seconds. So why is this significant? Thanks for asking. So O'Brien's book... <laughs> O'Brien's books are often credited as one of the most significant and extreme mind control conspiracy books pretty much ever written. But Project Monarch also has its own subsection of Hollywood subliminals in which it essentially details this idea 
that, quote, monarch programming is a method of hard mind control used by numerous organizations for covert purposes. It is a continuation of Project MKUltra, a mind control program developed by the CIA. It says... While mass media ignores this issue, over 2 million Americans have gone through the horrors of this program. So the article basically goes through um, how it's a mind-controlling technique that comprises elements of satanic ritual abuse and multiple personality disorder. combining them all in there. Yes, yes. Like, they're just so, like, also um, Satan. Also... Yes, well, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically... They say that this, the foundations, the origins of, again, this is some deep shit, man. So the origins of this type of specific mind control date back to the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And then it talks about how um, Joseph Mengele in Nazi concentration camps also gained notoriety for trying to supervise this whole like mind control experimentation process. Um then it got expanded even further into MK Ultra, where it became less. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say bad, right? More like you know, it, it was. <laughs> maybe the word I'm looking for is like socially acceptable. Yeah, like if Nazis are doing it, it's not okay. Right. But if the United States is doing it, it's for a good reason. That's basically what this is. Yeah, this is saying. Was more like I'm not palatable. saying I agree. Correct. Like, oh, I know why the CIA is doing this. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, I read a lot, too, well, of, like, people were so scared of communists that they were basically like, yeah, whatever you want to do. That's that's cool. Right, right, exactly. So I talk about Project Monarch because it now leads into this idea of, <laughs> of finding different symbols of the monarch... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mind control program in Hollywood. So one example I saw was Beyonce. So Beyonce, um, supposedly when she first started off in like destiny's child and stuff, she became part of the elite sex ring. Mm -hmm. And there are symbols in her art and there are symbols in photos of her, um, Mm -hmm. when she was younger where she's like got a butterfly in her hair. Um, there's a picture of um, Destiny's Child with all of their faces painted with butterflies on them. Yeah, because in the 90s, and, it was cool as fuck. Right. But the idea behind that is... <laughs> that was cool. Basically, right. So basically, there are these like... This is going to sound really fucked. This is basically like... Um, um, what is that called? <sighs> The um, pyramid scheme. Oh, an MLM. Marketing. What's that called? MLM. An MLM. Thank you. Yes. It's basically like saying that there is a mind control organization. Right. That's an MLM in the celebrity world. And there are certain types of celebrities that signify different things. So like you might wear a certain type of jewelry in order to signify that you are higher up on that like hierarchy i guess so like if you're wearing emeralds it means like you are specifically focusing on drugs okay. and like that's what your thing is if you're wearing rubies it, it reminds um, it's me like of prostitution you know when you were a kid and everyone had those rubber bracelets and yes, it was always, bracelets. yeah and it was like all i remember is baby blue meant french kissing that's the only, and black meant like sex those are the only ones i remember yes. but there was like a whole code and so you wore like a purple bracelet because you liked purple and everyone was like oh my god Right, exactly. So basically these 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 celebrities are like leveled monarch 
sex slaves. Yes. And they're identified with different gems and stones in order to identify their status. And so this is all believed to be a part of, of the monarch project monarch mind control. So that's like just celebrities in in general. The other big one that I saw, which is again, why I was late to this recording was because I got sucked down the fucking free Britney rabbit hole for like the fifth time this year, because what else have I been doing? Mm -hmm. Um, in which the argument has been made that according to the vigilant citizen, Britney Spears is quote, one of the most obvious examples of mind control in the entertainment industry today, quote. And like I couldn't get through that without laughing. I mean, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because I don't disagree. Right. It's if you asked but me, like, like, if you were like, hey, they're doing mind control, which celebrity do you think they're doing it on? Fair. You would definitely say Britney. Yeah. Exactly. Fair. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, so I'm just going to read what I wrote again because I straight up just started fucking work. So we all know back in 2019, the theory was that the singer was being held in a mental health facility against her will. Right. And as we've talked about this whole episode, mental health facilities could also be actually places where they were performing MK Ultra experimentation. So this website's reasoning, again, this is the Vigilant Citizen, which is a whole fuck. Have you ever seen this website? I don't think so, but it sounds amazing. It's crazy. I'm going to it's, Google it for later. I'm on my work laptop, you have but to. I'm just going to open it for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Work's going to call you and be like, uh, listen, no, Sarah, you were called me looking by at now. some weird shit. They haven't called so. me by now. <laughs> it's, it's fine. So back in 2019, like I said, she was um, placed into a mental health facility against her will. And the belief is that that mental health facility was actually a modern branch of the MK Ultra program. Mm-hmm. So their reasoning for her being so susceptible to mind control is that she entered the business as a child at a very young age. Um, however, not unlike other industry slaves, cracks began to appear in her programming around the age of 30. So first thing I want to say is, that's a direct quote, I don't like the use of industry slaves. If you're talking about sex slavery, fine, but I don't like the idea of people saying, like using the word slave in that term, like term. I just Counterpoint, fucking hate it. Slave for you is a bop. Oh, I know, but it's like, come on, Brittany. It's such a good, it, yeah. it's, what it's is, like it totally slaps. Legit. Is that what the kids it say? Slaps. It, slaps. it slaps. It slaps. It's a bop. It slaps. <laughs> it's a bop. So, but I also thought that last sentence that says cracks began to appear in her programming around the mm-hmm. age of 30. That really shook me because maybe I'm a victim of this shit because all of my cracks are also showing and I'm almost 30. So I don't know if like, that's like a thing or if everyone just hits like 30 and like they just fucking snap. I feel like it's, it's just, just like year. humans weren't supposed to live past 30 cause we didn't used to. And so you hit 30 and it's like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Yes. I think I'm hoping that's what this is because when I read that, I was like, well, this clears up a lot of shit for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, To make it very simple, her infamous breakdown in 2007, where she shaves her head, attacked cards with an umbrella, we all know it. We all love it. Because if you can get through 2007, Brittany, then everyone can get through anything. Um, She basically displayed all of the symptoms of an an MK Ultra slave, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. attempting to break free from their program. Okay. So then a few months later, Spears was committed to the psychiatric ward of Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. She was placed on an involuntary psychiatric hold, something that Kanye West was also sent to the same facility for after he had his own MK ultra breakdown, which I also didn't get a chance to go into, but damn, I I believe that for sure. Um, and so since then Spears has been forced to live under the con, uh, conservative, conservatorship of her father. Right. Right. So in 2012, she attempted to end the conservator conservatorship 
conservative. Let's like, like just keep repeating and regain control of her life. But she was rejected by the court due to quote psychological issues. But the psychological issues quote were never actually disclosed. Okay, this to happened her again or- like last week. Also, yes. So basically, the idea is that the government knows that she's being controlled. And that she's uh-huh. being programmed by an MK Ultra facet. I don't think she's technically part of what I guess would be Project Monarch. Right. She's just in like a different the facet spin-off. of a modern day. Yes, the spinoff of MK Ultra. And so even the lawyers who requested the judge to seal the court records, like they couldn't actually describe her real condition. And so the documents that have been filed since then basically are are completely locked up and they don't actually outline her condition or treatment. They, no one knows what the fuck they actually say. I mean, that is weird. Right. So basically, like, the words that they kept using, I guess, that I kept seeing was irreparable harm and immediate danger. Um, and that's why she needs the safety net of her father being, I guess, her controller but if you actually think about what we've talked about with mind control and you even said it earlier it's breaking down of personalities yeah so that you can be controlled by somebody else right and you're reliant upon somebody else which i think is essentially what that argument is for that britney is a victim of mk ultra do you think this is so un- i'm just sitting here literally my head is like do you think that the royals tried to mk ultra diana <laughs> yes for fucking sure this is my new conspiracy Dude, theory yeah i mean i definitely think that that's possible i definitely think that oh, this is like we're gonna lose people on this one i don't even give a shit do it there's definitely more mind control than i think we're willing to be comfortable with yeah and the more research i did on this the more i was like no i think this shit is real yeah it's just not real in the way that like we would see it in like a science fiction movie so like some right. of the other things i saw in my research was like how it comes up in like media today. And like a couple of months ago, Eric and I were like bored as shit because it's 2020 and we couldn't leave our house. Yep. So we were watching TV. I think he was like on furlough from his job and work was like a joke and it was just awful. So we were like up really late and we were watching American Ultra. Okay. And it's got Jesse Eisenberg in it. And I was like, the fuck is this movie about? And apparently he's a sleeper agent who was a part of like the last branches of the MK Ultra program. So the idea okay. is that like he was activated when he needed to be. And so one of the things that I kept looking at when I did the research was like MK Ultra comes up a lot in our like just media in our films in our sci-fi in our action like right. the born movies are all about like mind control and same thing like a sleeper agent that like they can't remember anything about their life but they know how to do all of this shit. Mm-hmm. So like it's something that like I think has perpetuated itself in our society. Um, and I think that's why it doesn't totally seem far-fetched because, again, it goes back to the whole what an ultimate conspiracy theory people are trying to... or You know, people are being drugged and controlled by the government and then it turned out to actually be true. Right. Yeah, it sounds fake. Right. But so, like, for you saying the Diana thing, I don't fucking doubt that. Like, I don't doubt for a second that there was, like, attempts to try to condition her into this, like, lifestyle that, yeah. like, I mean, ultimately, when we eventually do our our saga on that, you know, it will be clear that, like, that just wasn't the lifestyle for her. And also, right. I'm super stoked to watch The Crown. Do you watch The Crown? So, Have you watched it yet? So, I haven't. And 
I really want to watch the Diana episodes, but I feel like you got to start at the that's beginning. That's I have a really hard time not starting at the beginning with anything. Like, yeah, it, can same, lit- right? it will literally, you can put on like an episode of Rugrats, and I'm like, no, I haven't watched the whole thing. I can't. Right. Um, I just did that with Sister Sister, which is now on yes. Netflix. So and I've just been like, well, let's go to the beginning. I know a lot so. of people are watching the Diana season, and it's like making them want to watch all of it. But yeah. I just, I, I have a problem with that, but I also like never watch TV for some reason. I'm bad at it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah. I want to watch it, but I haven't yet. It's good. And honestly, I like all of the people that they've cast yeah. throughout the course of this. So I feel like you would enjoy it, especially because you love the royal shit. Like you I, love it. I truly do. So, so that is what I have for MK Ultra. I mean, this was a freaking... I didn't know anything about this going Same. into it. You were like, what about MK Ultra?" And I was like, don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah, so. it was just like, I know it's like some crazy shit was basically what I knew. I mean, yeah, that's if we could just sum this up in three words, some crazy shit, I would say that that's yeah. what MK Ultra is. So, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully the CIA doesn't flag you for listening to this. Yeah. Um, and... If the CIA is listening to this, which I'm sure they are, Sarah and I are definitely not a threat. No. We are just two women podcasters who are looking for shit to do yep. in a We're really weird just year. Bored. We're just bored. Spare us. Bored. Please. Like, we probably got everything wrong. So, we're really not a threat to you or anyone no, else. No, not. No. We're not capable. No. Not at all. Even just reading this, I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. So... <laughs> We are really non-threatening. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, definitely make sure to subscribe to us. Yeah. Yeah. Subscribe to us. We're incompetent. We are. I wouldn't say we're, we're mostly incompetent or we're mildly competent. We're I think that's incompetent where it matters to the CIA. Correct. Once again, we are not a threat. Tell your friends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to What the History Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTHistoryPod. You're also welcome to email us at whatthehistorypodcast at gmail.com with topic suggestions or questions. Please subscribe to the podcast so that upcoming episodes show up in your feed and we will talk to you soon.